All right, good evening, CTK. Happy eighth day of Christmas and happy new year. All right, isn't it convenient that uh, our service is at 4.30 in the evening so that you have more time to recover? Should you have chosen to stay up late and ring in the new year? No. And my name is Stephen. I'm the business operations manager and wannabe deacon here at Christ the King. And hopefully in this new year, 2023, I will at some point, Lord willing, be able to drop that wannabe from the title and actually get this thing done. So January 1st, 2023, start of a new year in the normal calendar fashion here in the Western world. But if you've been with us for a while, you know that our calendar year started some weeks ago when we celebrated Christ the King Sunday, and then we began the season of Advent. That's when our church calendar uh, started. It ended this long period of what we call ordinary time, and it started the period of Advent. And we spent the time of Advent in longing and in expectation and in preparation for the incarnation, that is, uh, God coming to earth. And then on Christmas Eve, we celebrated the incarnation, and I don't know about you, I, that service for me was a wonderful service, very meaningful. And um, I think as we approach our first year anniversary as a church, I'm thankful for these memorable services. And I think that over the years, we'll be able to look back with gratefulness at the first that we've all experienced together here at, here at Christ the King. So, um, Christmas Eve started the season of what we call Christmas Tide. And it lasts until 6th of January. 6th of January is the Feast of the Epiphany. And that commemorates the Magi, the three kings, coming to Bethlehem and, and seeing uh, Jesus and worshiping Jesus. And it's called an epiphany because that was when the divine nature of Jesus was revealed to the rest of the world as represented by those three kings. And so that now we understand that the Jewish Messiah is also the salvation for us Gentiles, for the salvation of the whole world. So Epiphany is celebrated 6th January. That's the Feast of the Epiphany. We'll celebrate some Epiphany on 8th January, the Sunday following that, with our confirmation service. But um, in our house, um, in very close historical approximation of what happened in the first century, we did not put any wise men in our manger scenes. Our nativities were wise men-less. And Debbie would put them places throughout the house. And she would move them every day closer and closer to the manger, to Bethlehem. And the kids would get up every morning and they'd go around looking around. We homeschooled so they could spend some time looking around uh, for where the, where the three kings were. And then on 6th January... They made it to the manger, and they worshiped there, and the nativity scene was complete. And then we took down the tree in the manger scenes. Um, so this is uh, Epiphany coming next, but now it's Christmas. So are you familiar with the eight days of Christmas? Yeah, from 25 December to 5 January, they're known as the 12 days of Christmas. We're on the eighth day of Christmas. And what does that have to do with our passage today in Galatians? Well, during this time of Christmas tide, we're going to take a little time to look back at the incarnation and its benefits and effects on us. Its benefits and effects, especially on us Christians. Um, 
and I'm not sure if, if you are aware or you caught it, but this Galatians passage is an incarnational passage for us because it talks about the incarnation, then it talks about some of the benefits and effects for us. So we want to take a close look at it uh, during this, um, this season. Now I want to be completely upfront with you. This passage, these four verses, they include some very deep theology. They have deep theological um, phrases, terms, and concepts. Concepts like um, in the fullness of time, like under the law, like redeemed, adopted, Abba Father, heirs, slave, spirit. We could take weeks on each of those concepts and unpack them for you, and I would love to do that. I would love to take the Greek grammar of each of these phrases and lay out for you the nuances of the uh, articles, where they occur and where they don't occur, the adjectives, the adverbs. But look, total transparency, i got about eight more minutes <laughs> to exegete this passage for you. So I'm only going to hit the high points of the incarnation from this passage, and uh, later on we can talk about it. So now, if you'll turn in your devices to Galatians 4, I'm going to read it again. Galatians 4, 4 to 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So now I want to try to show you three things from this passage. Three things that I hope will give you some encouragement and confidence as we move into a new year. Because let's face it, in the fallen world that we live in, a lot of the tragic events and the anguish that you experienced during 2022, in some form, you are probably going to experience those things in 2023. That is just part of our lot in the already but not yet space that we occupy here in this fallen world. So I want to give you some things that you might hang on to, you might remember, that I hope will boast bolster your faith a little bit, maybe give you some courage and confidence as we face together a 2023 in a fallen world. So the first thing from this passage, this passage demonstrates that because of the incarnation, we can have faith that there will be a second coming. Second, because of the incarnation, we have a new relationship or we can have a new relationship with God the Father, and that relationship is as adopted sons and daughters, or adopted children, which is the phrase I'm going to use throughout. And the third, because of this new relationship as children of God, we also have a new relationship as heirs. We are fellow heirs with Christ, as Paul told the Romans. So, okay, let me unpack this. First point, this passage shows that because of the incarnation, we can have faith and confidence that there will be a second coming. And, and how do I get to that? It's this phrase, in the fullness of time, or when the fullness of time had come. That phrase means things like perfect timing, at just the right time, 
God's timing. And it speaks of planning and foreknowledge. So, the incarnation is not plan B. The incarnation was not God saying, whoa, man, I didn't expect that. I better send Jesus down there. No, the incarnation, it was plan A. It is plan A. And it happened at just the right time. Or as Paul said, when the fullness of time had come. So Paul says in Ephesians 1, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So again, I'm saying this is plan A, and the plan is unfolding according to the purpose of his will. And because of this, we can have confidence that his plan will continue to unfold until it culminates just as he had said it will in the second coming of Jesus. And that's when he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. So in addition to this, during Advent, we spent a lot of time studying the old prophet, especially Isaiah. And the old prophets, the Old Testament prophets, foretold the coming of Jesus. They foretold the plan. So this is plan A, even according to the Old Testament prophets. So because of this first incarnation, we can have confidence that God's plan is unfolding according to the purpose of his will, and that in the fullness of time, he will bring it to the conclusion that he has said it will be. Second, because of the incarnation, we can have a new relationship with God. We are adopted children. Now, Paul's model for adoption is not our model of adoption. Paul's model was the greco Roman model. And that means there are four very important things for us. Four very important features of adoption in that area. One, an adopted child was taken out of his previous situation and placed in an entirely new relationship to his adopted father. Second, an adopted child started a new life as part of a new family, the family of his adopted father. And at that time, all his old debts were canceled. No more debts. Three, an adopted child was considered no less important than any other biological child in the adopted father's family. And fourth, finally, an adopted child experienced a changed status. With his old name set aside, he got a new name from his adopted father. So now, doesn't that sound a little bit like how we are affected by our salvation in Jesus Christ when we have faith in Jesus Christ? We are taken out of a previous situation, sin and death and separation of God, and placed in a completely new situation where we are reconciled and have access to God. We have started a new life as part of the family of God. We are a part of the new family of all faithful people, the faithful people here at CDK, the faithful people in Denver, and around the world. We're all part of that same family. And... All our previous errors and sins have been set aside, forgiven, 
and, and moved away. We're considered no less important than any other child in the kingdom the, the minute we're adopted. No less important. And even Jesus, the only begotten son of the father, calls us and considers us brothers and sisters. And then we have exchanged a changed status. Our old self has been set aside. Behold, all things have become new. And we will receive a new name that the Lord will give to us. And so we're adopted children of God. And finally, point number three. Because of the incarnation, we can know that we will be heirs of God. We are fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. And what do heirs do? Heirs inherit. We're going to inherit the kingdom of God. In the Roman world, children, when they were born, were already, in some sense, considered to be co-owners of all that their fathers owned. And in the same sense, because this is Paul's model, we are already co-owners of all that God owns. In our inheritance system, you have to have somebody die before you inherit. In the Roman world, when you're born or adopted, that is when the heirship starts. So, because we've been born again through faith in Jesus Christ, we're already children of God. And we have full rights as heirs to all the things that are the Father's. We're, all, we're heirs to all the good things, tangible and intangible, that God has right now. We own them. All the blessings that we experience are part of God's riches. But we own them. One day, we'll be able to fully possess what we own currently. One further note, we're joint owners of all of this. Paul said it to uh, the Ephesians that you are joint heirs. You are sharers in the promise of Jesus Christ. So like the family that we're in, we're all sharing in these same benefits and uh, heirship with all of the world across space and time. So we're children, we're heirs, and this was always part of God's plan, not plan B. So now I'm concluding. And in conclusion, look, I don't want to sugarcoat the effects and impacts of living in a fallen world. I'm not saying that we can wave a magic wand or say some magic words and all the effects and impacts of a fallen world will disappear. We've all experienced in 2022 pain, hurt, suffering, anguish, grief, and trauma that comes with living in a fallen world. We have suffered. Some of us are suffering right now. And if we live any length of time into the future, we're going to suffer again. But there is hope. We can live in this expectation, in this optimism, this trust and confidence that because of the incarnation that we experience, we can know that Jesus is coming again to set all things right. And we can take courage from the fact that we're already children of God and that he loves us with a love that is beyond our wildest imaginations. And that since we're children, we're also heirs. We're co-owners already of all the good things in Jesus. So it's not a magic wand. It's not magic words. 
But if we accept and acknowledge our current status in Jesus, and we let that sink deep in our hearts and souls, and we live in the knowledge that we're a part of Jesus and what comes with his salvation, then I think perhaps when we're feeling most intensely the effects of living in the fallen world, we can find the confidence and courage and the trust to continue to live in and for the glory of our Father. And that is my prayer for the new year for CTK. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you, you are a good Father. And we know and we can know that the incarnation of Jesus, of deity coming in human flesh, was not plan B, it was plan A. It is what you had in store for us from before the foundation of the world. And that you know we suffer, you know the pain, you know the agony, because as God and Jesus, you shared it with us. Just give us some strength and courage as we face 2023 in this knowledge that the world is unfolding according to your plan. You're still in charge and that we're already your children and we're heirs and we're going to inherit all the blessings that you have in store for us, both here and now and in the future when you come and make all things new. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.